The following talk is entitled Interior Martyrdom. It was given by Mrs. Lourdes Pinto to the Remnium Christi movement in Miami, Florida on January 25 of 2014. Well, I'd like to consecrate the three reflections I'm going to give you to the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother, and through her to our divine companion, my, like my daughter says, we're best, best friends. Well, the Holy Spirit, my best, best friend forever, like we say. So um, what was in my heart to share with you, to give you a little bit of an overview, are three reflections, one building on the next. The first one is I'd like to share with you again the third secret of Fatima and a commentary from Cardinal Ratzinger, our beloved Benedict XVI, that gave a commentary that is very powerful on what it means to be a martyr. The second reflection I would like to give you has to do with the ordinary and hidden life as the means to live our martyrdom. And the third reflection will be on the hidden force of the Eucharist, and how each of us are called to become living host and what that means. Okay. So I have to say I was very touched by the first reading. And the Holy Spirit right away highlighted one verse in the first reading that I'd like to, to share with you. And I feel that nothing I see anymore is coincidence. I see everything as the work of God the work of the Holy Spirit. So it is no coincidence that we began today with St. Paul. So I'd really like to have St. Paul in a special way with us all day today. And really, I think the Lord is holding him up today in a special way for each of us as a model. So this is the one line that the Spirit highlighted for me. In Acts chapter 22, it is verse 14. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the just one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Do we believe, do we realize that those words spoken to St. Paul are not just meant for St. Paul. They're meant for each one of us. God is telling us that we also have been appointed. We have been called, we are the Spirit wants to reveal to us God's will for us. We are called to live in the will of God. We are also being given the grace to see the face of God, to see Him with the eyes of our heart and soul. And each of us, are called to enter an intimacy so profound with the Lord that we come to know his voice, 
speaking to us in the depths of our heart, recognizing that voice. That is not just for St. Paul, and it's not just for a few saints. That is meant for each one of us. And then it says, for you will be a witness. We are each called to be witnesses. But do you know what it means to be a witness? To be a witness means to be a martyr, a martyr of love. And this brings me to share with you the third secret of Fatima. On July 13, 1917, it says, At the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand. Flashing, it gave out flames that looked as though they would set the world on fire. But they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, penance, penance. And we saw in an immense light that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. A bishop dressed in white, we had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women religious, going up a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big cross of rough-hewn trunks as of a cork tree with the bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins, and half trembling with halting step, afflicted with pain and sorrow. He prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain on his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. And in the same way, there died one after another, the other bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. Beneath the two arms of the cross, there were two angels, each with a crystal aspisorium in his hand, in which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs, and with it sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. Now, this is the commentary written by Cardinal Ratzinger. He says, Beneath the arms of the cross, angels gather up the blood of the martyrs, and with it they give life to the souls making their way to God. Here, the blood of Christ and the blood of the martyrs are considered as one. The blood of the martyrs runs down from the arms of the cross. The martyrs die in communion with the passion of Christ, and their death becomes one with his. For the sake of the body of Christ, they complete what is lacking in his afflictions. St. Paul to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 24. 
their life has itself become a Eucharist. Part of the mystery of the grain of wheat, which is dying, yields abundant fruit. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of Christians, said Tertullian. As from Christ's death, from his wounded side, the church was born. So the death of the witnesses is fruitful for the future life of the church. Therefore, the vision of the third part of the secret, so distressing at first, concludes with an image of hope. No suffering is in vain, and it is a suffering church, a church of martyrs, which becomes a signpost for man in his search for God. The loving arms of God welcome not only those who suffer like Lazarus, who found great solace there and mysteriously represents Christ, who wished to become for us the poor Lazarus, there is something more. From the suffering of the witnesses, there comes a purifying and renewing power because their suffering is the actualization of the suffering of Christ himself and a communication in the here and now of its saving effect. This is the life of St. Paul and the life of every single saint. Now, when I first read this secret, when they first, it first came out, I think I read it and pretty much dismissed it, which I think is probably what most people have done. Because to me, when I read this, it sounded like it was, I interpreted it as immediately as martyrs, meaning the red martyrs that would, you know, be killed. And yet, in the mission that the Lord has given us, I have come to understand that I am called personally to bring to life, to live, the third secret of Fatima. And that all of us are called to be martyrs through the interior martyrdom of the heart. So I'd like to explain to you a little bit about the interior martyrdom of the heart. The cross was planted in the heart of Jesus from the moment of the incarnation and remained with him during his entire life. St. Gregory of Nyssa confirms this when he writes, In this feast of the nativity, today begins the mystery of the passion. Jesus lived the interior crucifixion his entire life. Our redemption began... At the moment of the Incarnation, the cross was already planted in the heart of Jesus. In scriptures, we get a light into the sacred heart of Jesus. Listen to Mark chapter 3, verse 5. It says, And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of heart, 
grieved my sisters the heart of Jesus Christ the sacred heart is all love so sensitive he knows what's in the heart of all people he was grieved at the hardness of their heart the Lord's heart was suffering immensely the hardness of heart all around him as we live the martyrdom of the heart we begin to live in this union of suffering with our Lord do you ever experience this in your lives your own hardness of heart my own hardness of heart but also the hardness of heart sometimes of our spouses the hardness of heart sometimes of our children of those we love of those we're trying to to guide doesn't that hardness of heart affect you doesn't it touch your heart the lord said to venerable conchita bringing conchita to understand his interior crucifixion and this for the entire church i only remained on the cross of calvary for 3 hours but on the interior cross of my heart my whole life these sufferings remained hidden during my life i smiled i labored only my mother was aware of this martyrdom which crushed my loving heart my external passion lasted but a few hours it was like a gentle dew a comfort for the other passion terribly cruel which tortured ceaselessly my soul the martyrdom of the heart of jesus christ was worse than calvary saint paul dies like jesus a red martyr but the greatest martyrdom of saint paul was not at the end of his life that was probably the easiest martyrdom it was the daily martyrdom of saint paul when i read these words i could understand them because i saw myself i smiled i labored isn't that each of you people when i look at each of you i see these beautiful faces these beautiful smiles somebody else might see you doing your daily duties of life but who sees what's truly inside each of your hearts the pain hidden in each of your hearts the sorrows the disappointments the wounds in each side of your hearts jesus sees them the lord taught our community he has been forming us as his martyrs every single person every single christian my sisters are called to be martyrs there is no greater call it is in the martyrdom of the heart when we receive it when we enter it when we live it that our femininity and masculinity is healed that our lives take on the power of the holy spirit how does saint paul a persecutor of christians become such a powerhouse for the church for the conversion of so many it wasn't so much what he preached because he even says it i'm not a good preacher i'm not i don't have the eloquence 
What makes St. Paul a powerhouse of grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. And how does St. Paul enter and receive and live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because he becomes one with Jesus crucified. St. Paul is the most incredible missionary of the cross. But we are all called to be missionaries of the cross. We, women, are all called to be mothers of the cross. It isn't a, a, a title unique to me or a missionary of the cross just unique to these two priests. It's a call for the universal church. The Lord taught us, the martyrdom of the heart is the martyrdom of suffering with love and for love, meaning God. If you could only understand the fruit of the martyrdom of suffering, you would desire nothing else on earth. The hidden life of suffering with love and for love is a far greater worth than great and small works tainted with human recognition. Believe in the hidden force contained in the martyrdom of the heart. This is the purest fragrance of love that has the power to conquer the enemies of God. The problem is that this is so amazing that it is truly difficult for us to believe. It's so simple, yet difficult, so profound that our human understanding, especially our egos, can't seem to put our arms around this. And yet it is the life of St. Paul. Was St. Paul's life had no difficulties? Read. It was amazing the sufferings of St. Paul, the trials, the challenges, the disappointments, the rejection, the humiliations. What does he do with it? What does he tell us? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. His suffering that God permits in his life is what draws him in to union with Jesus crucified, into union with the Trinity. My sisters, each of our sorrows, each of our sufferings that God permits, he doesn't will always, but he permits, is to draw, perfect us, purify us in love, and draw us to union with him. Pope Benedict XVI wrote, Concerning Revelations chapter 8, he said, And before the throne of God we see an angel holding a golden censer in which he continually places grains of incense. Our prayers, whose sweet aroma is offered together with the prayers that rise before God. It is a symbolism that tells us how all of our prayers, with all the limits, difficulty, poverty, aridity, and imperfections they may have, are as it were purified and reach the heart of God, the power of prayer. But I never understood, being such a busy mother, like each of you, and grandmothers, 
how I could live my life as a continuous prayer. And then the Lord taught me something one time in the Blessed Sacrament that really changed my life, and I'd like to share it with you. A greater understanding of prayer. The Lord said, When I say your life is a prayer, your life is an offering. To offer me your life is the perfect prayer. Your thoughts directed to me, directed to love, is a prayer. Your desires to know me, love me, and serve me is a prayer. Your touch is a most beautiful prayer. Your words of encouragement and love to others is a prayer. Your efforts to bring peace and unity to your families is a prayer. Your smile is a prayer. But your most perfect prayer is your pure suffering united to me and my mother. The prayer of pure suffering is the sweetest fragrance that reaches and delights the heart of our Father. This is also the prayer that produces an abundance of fruit. This is the prayer that is most united to mine as I intercede before the throne of my Father. This is why my mother's suffering of solitude produced and continues to produce showers of graces upon the world. I'm here to tell you today that your prayer of pure suffering is the greatest prayer of your life when united to the prayer of pure suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. It truly reaches like nothing else the heart of the Father. He delights in this prayer. And my sisters, it has great power of intercession. John Paul II encouraged the church also to be martyrs. He said, We must remember the drama they experienced in their soul, in which human fear and superhuman courage were confronted, as well as the will to live and the will to be faithful until death, the sense of solitude before immutable hatred, and at the same time, the experience of the strength that comes from the nearby and invisible presence of God and the common faith of the early church. It is necessary to remember that drama so that the question be raised. Ask yourself this question. Is some of that drama verified in me? To live in the Holy Spirit, to enter fully the power of the Holy Spirit, is to desire to surrender completely to God. It is a desire to give ourselves to God. Because why? Because we have come to know the love of God in our hearts. The love of God that gave himself for us, that poured his blood out for us. We want to love him in the same way our beloved has loved us. So we tell God, I give you everything. I give you my will. I give you my life. Do with it what you want. Is 
some of that drama, the desire to be a martyr in your heart. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit. If it is not in your heart, because of fear, whatever, pray to the Holy Spirit. Don't you think such an incredible prayer will be answered? Of course. Pius XII spoke about the martyrdom also. He says, not all of us are expected, this is on the canonization of Maria Goretti, not all of us are expected to die a martyr's death, but we are all called to the pursuit of Christian virtue. This demands strength of character, though it may not match that of this innocent girl, Maria Goretti. Still, a constant, persistent, and relentless effort is asked of us right up to the moment of our death. This may be conceived as a slow, steady martyrdom, the martyrdom of daily living. St. John of Avila speaks to the church about being martyrs, the martyrdom of love. St. John of Avila tells us the love of God does not consist in mere words, but in sorrow and bitter sufferings, in being despised by the world, abandoned by all creatures, and it may seem at times in the withdrawal of even the Creator's favor. In spite of all these trials, think of St. Paul, the Christian's courage must be firm. He must not complain, not lose heart. He should imitate the martyr who, while they were disemboweling him and tearing the flesh from his bones with iron hooks, had no words on his lips but the name of Jesus, nor any thought in his heart but blessed be God. Let us strive to be martyrs by patience, for though our pains may be less severe, they yet last longer. We ought not to wish for a happy life, but prefer a martyrdom on earth. It was our Lord's portion, and he wishes ours to be the same. Some have died as martyrs for the faith, and others have gone to heaven without doing so. But we must all be martyrs of love if we wish to arrive there. This love so carries us out of ourselves. It makes a man forget himself and care only for his beloved. Father Jordy yesterday spoke to you about suffering with, uniting all our sorrows, all our sufferings, and suffering with. As St. Paul teaches us in Romans 8, I can't tell you, if you persevere in that one practice of suffering everything with Jesus, you will come to union with God. Now, St. John of Alba tells us we are called to move out of ourselves, our own self-centeredness, but at the same time, we have to understand something. Before we are able to move out of ourselves, to forget ourselves, we have to be willing to go deep within ourselves. One is contingent on the other. What happens? Deep in the recesses of our soul, deep in our hearts, each of us are wounded. The work of the Holy Spirit is to transform us, to bring us out of ourselves to union with God. So he brings our life into harmony. All of our wounds bring about disorders of our personality. 
So the work of the Holy Spirit that we must yield to is to allow him to go deep to those deep places that are difficult for us to go to many times that we consciously have forgotten about. It is only then when we are willing to go deep and bring to light those wounds, those places of darkness, that we are healed and set free so that we are free to love and come out of ourselves. I want to share with you something that the Lord taught us that I have found in our community to be incredibly helpful in being able to go deep within. And it is a teaching the Lord gave us on tenderness. So I want to share this with you. Something giving you something concrete you can use. The Lord taught us that tenderness is the virtue in which the love in your heart is manifested through your faculties of touch, sight, and speech. God is love, therefore, here on earth my love was experienced by many through the touch of my hands, through the gaze of my eyes, and through my words. I am, living, I am a living torrent of grace, which is the love of God flowing through me. When you come to possess me through the power of the Holy Spirit, my love flows through you. You become my living vessel. You become my hands. You become my gaze. You speak my words. This is what it means to be my living chalices and living hosts. This love is manifested concretely, tangibly through your tenderness. By being attentive to how you use your hands or fail to use your hands, how you gaze at others, and the words that flow from your lips, you will come to know the sin that remains in your hearts. My mother is forming each of you to be my living chalices. I'll give you a personal experience. Recently, we read this again in our Senecal. And God is so good, so this was in my heart. And the day after, I found myself speaking with someone. And afterwards, I spoke to this person. I realized that in the words that came from my mouth, there was a tone of negativity. And this was very much in my heart. So immediately that night, I went to bed, and I started to pray, okay? That's what, I paid attention to what came out of my mouth. Why? Always ask yourselves the question, why? It is a permission to the Holy Spirit to take us deeper. Why, my Lord? Why with this particular person do I speak in a negative way? That negativity is revealing something that's in my heart. Why? I kept asking all night. Why? I want to know. I'm giving you permission, Holy Spirit. Take me there. This is courage, my sister, that we're willing to see the ugliness, the darkness in each of us so that we can radiate the beauty of God. Why, my Lord? The second day, I came to a core of the negativity 
I was feeling resentment. The negativity was coming from resentment in my heart. I went to the Blessed Sacrament. I continued. Why? Dig deep. Father Jordi taught you to dig deep. Why is there resentment in my heart? Where is this resentment coming from? Help me to know. Help me, Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Without realizing it in prayer, the Holy Spirit brought me to four flashback incidents in my life. Two when I was a child. And he took me to the two core wounds of my father wound, which I hadn't touched yet. And I was amazed. What did I do? When the Holy Spirit takes us to a core wound, what do we do? Now, we suffer it with Jesus. I realize, my Lord and my God, now I suffer this again. I have to be willing to enter the pain, the sorrow, the disappointment. And now I suffer it with my beloved. I give it to him. And I had to spend days casting out, in the name of Jesus, in the power of his precious blood, the resentment. Every time I felt the resentment, which was so strong, it's been in my heart for years. I wasn't attentive to it. I had to say to the Lord in my heart, Jesus, I cast out in the name. The Bible tells us the name of Jesus has power. The blood of Christ was poured out to heal us. In the name of Jesus, in the power of your precious blood, take away the resentment. Take away the resentment, Lord. Grant me the grace to love this person the way you love. And I did. I felt the resentment leave me. I was like, this works. This is amazing. This. You see, God is tender. I can't tell you how many women share with me for example, I have a sister that, that came to me and said, I was doing this. I was paying attention to my hands. I'm shocked, Lourdes. I'm shocked at how harsh I am. I realized I spend most of my day pushing and shoving and pulling my children. I thought, she's right. I can relate. And she goes, I just, you know, was living, doing, I wasn't attentive. And she started to re, uh, repent. My Lord, make my hands tender like yours. Make my touch tender. I have another sister in the community that said, Lourdes, when I read this, I realized from being attentive to my hands, I don't use them. I have trouble touching anyone, including my children. Wow. God is tender. Jesus Christ is tender. Men and women are called to be the tenderness of God. But especially the feminine heart was created by God to radiate the tenderness of God and to help bring forth tenderness in the men, including priests. That's part of our role. Therefore, we have to heal, my sisters, our femininity. 
If we are not tender women, that's because there's something wrong. There's a woundedness in our femininity. Mary participated most perfectly in the interior martyrdom of her son. St. Bernard tells us, the martyrdom of the virgin is set forth both in the prophecy of Simeon and in the actual story of our Lord's passion. The holy old man said of the infant Jesus, he has been established as a sign which will be contradicted. He went on to say to Mary, and your own heart will be pierced by a sword. Thus the violence of sorrow has cut through your heart, and we rightly call you more than martyr, since the effect of compassion in you has gone beyond the endurance of physical suffering. She is the perfect martyr of love. She is the new Eve. Jesus Christ came and died so that each of us can become the new Eve the new women of the kingdom of God. Mary was united to the word of the cross since she carried him in her womb. Through her ordinary hidden life, she lived united as one to Christ. And in this way, she possessed with her son the power of God and the wisdom of God. She lived her daily trials, challenges, and sufferings abandoned completely to God. Mary is the hidden force united to her son. My sisters, Mary is gentle, humble, silent, but boy, is she strong. She possesses the spiritual strength that all souls can only achieve as they unite to the word of the cross. She is a constant channel of God's strength and consolation for Jesus and the apostles. It is in this divine strength and power that she participates as co-redemptrix in the salvation of mankind. When our femininity is healed, we take on an incredible strength. The women's liberation movement, Satan has tried to destroy the strength of a woman by making us think we have to be more like men. What a lie. My sisters, when our femininity, like our Blessed Mother, is healed and restored, we are the most incredible warriors of love. We were created in our femininity to love in sacrifice, love in pain. We have childbirth, love in giving of ourselves. For men, it's harder. When we live our femininity to the fullest and we give ourselves completely, we teach men, we help them. We come like it was in Genesis from the beginning, a helper one for the other. But we were able to help restore fatherhood, restore manhood, restore priesthood. We're able to help them, teach them how to suffer, how to be martyrs, how to be victims. It's amazing. Pope Benedict tells us, in the crucified Jesus, the divinity is disfigured, stripped of all visible glory, and yet is present and real. Faith alone can recognize it, the faith of Mary, who places in her heart to this late scene in the mosaic of her son's life. She does not yet see the whole, but continues to trust in God, repeating once again with the same abandonment, Behold the handmaid of the Lord.
You see, Mary wasn't told in advance everything that was going to happen. In the Annunciation, she says, Behold the handmaid of God. Be it done unto me according to thy word. My sisters, that has to be us. Mary lives those words every day. Mary's life was difficult. The minute she says that, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Knowing she's pregnant. I mean, think about everything Mary lived. But what does Mary do? She abandons herself, like Father Ron was telling you yesterday. Every suffering, she trusts in God. I am convinced in my life that it is through suffering that we are purified, that we come to love. Every suffering that the Lord permits in your life and in my life, I don't care how difficult it is is because God is permitting it, because he loves us so much, to purify us and from that suffering to bring great things. Every time we're doing something, that's why you see in a retreat, sometimes you go through lots of trials before, because something great's going to come. Learn to trust, even when difficulties, even when there's suffering. Learn to say in your heart, my Lord and my God, I suffer this pain. Because sometimes, my sisters, I know all of you can relate to me. Sometimes the pain can be so strong that you honestly and truly feel a sword pierce your heart. Am I the only one here that has felt that? No. But what happens with Mary When she allows the sword to pierce her heart, her heart is fused with God himself. They become one. The heart of Mary and the heart of Jesus become one heart in the Trinity. It is the sword of suffering, my sisters, that's going to fuse us into the sacred heart, making us one, bringing us to live heaven on earth like Mary. And it is in this fusion of hearts, in suffering, that our lives are transformed and we bring grace and salvation to the entire church. I tell my legionary brothers, priests, friends, all the time, I love my Regnum Christi sisters. I I can't tell you what it meant for me when I was speaking to your sisters, the consecrated women in Rome. I see what the, who you are in the church. But the power of the woman in Regnum Christi has to come into the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the women of Regnum Christi, lay and consecrated, that are going to raise up the legionary priest to be God's army of holy priests for these decisive times, for the great battle we are entering, my sisters. We are entering the decisive battle, the tribulation. God is raising up his remnant. He is using women, spiritual mothers, to raise up and renew the priesthood. The Lord has been speaking to us about his green berets that are needed for the church to bring forth the reign of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I believe with all my heart that part of those green berets 
are your legionary brother's priest. But you have to come into this grace. You have to come alive. They need you. You are the hidden force like Mary for them. She was the hidden force that sustained those early apostles. She, with other holy women, was the hidden force that were those martyrs of love, giving them the courage to die with Christ, to live the victimhood dimension of their priesthood. It was the women. That's who you are. You are the hidden force. Don't be scared. You were reading into your hands, Father, the book. It was a confirmation because I felt the Lord placed in my heart to share some things with you from that book. On page 74 it says, If we are subject to trials here on earth, if we must struggle to say yes to God, it is because in eternity God wants to say to us, You have given me something. It is not only I who give, but rather we give to each other. I give myself in gratitude because you have given me something that you could have refused to give. Now you can no longer give me anything, but at one time you did, and it has an eternal value I never forget. It goes on to say, Theology has always taught that we cannot merit anything, either in heaven or purgatory. To merit, that is, to do something for God, belongs to our earthly life. My sisters, just ponder this a minute. We have one thing that we can give to God, that he gave to us, and we can deny it to him, our will. The only place that we can live as victims of love, what is a victim? What is a martyr? It's a man, woman, or child that gives ourselves fully to God with no reserve, that trusts God so much that says, I'm yours. My will is yours. My life is yours. My family is yours. My intellect is yours. I am nothing. I'm yours. Only on earth can we give that. Only on earth can we live the union of victim united to the victim. In heaven, we can no longer live that. In purgatory, we cannot live that either. As I ponder this more and more in my life, I realize that to me I feel that the greatest sadness when any person dies will be when we have this understanding and that it's too late. We didn't give to God fully out of fear, out of wounds, out of whatever. But we could only live here on earth. I'm amazed at when I speak about victim souls how many people have fear? That is a tactic of Satan. Every saint is a victim. Every transformed man or woman is a victim. Every martyr is a victim. So 
But victim in the sense that you're united to God. It's our healing. It's our liberation. It's our freedom. And we only have an opportunity here on earth to enter that most intimate union with Jesus Christ. Once our life is gone, that's it. It can never be. Think about that, my sister. Tonight you're going to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Pray for the grace to abandon yourself completely, to truly give him your will, to desire this more than anything else. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we adore you, we glorify you, and we thank you. We ask you to keep these things in our hearts, to work in our hearts now in this silence, to fill us with the desire to give ourselves fully to you, Jesus, and to receive fully your love for us. 